One of the most common challenges you will likely face in building your franchise empire is securing the capital that you need. Now, whether that's to start your first location or to grow to your 10th location. Now, what we discuss in this episode is a method of funding that's being used by everyday people like you and me, up to people raising $10 million and more to fund real estate purchases, storage units, apartment complexes, all the way up to private equity companies using it to become the largest franchisees in some very well-known franchise systems. Now, this is a hidden gem on raising capital that no one has told you about. Today, I sat down with Jason DeBono of Newview Trust to talk about one of the least known methods of funding a franchise, a self-directed IRA. Now, this is not to be confused for Rob's. We'll explain the difference in this episode and explain literally everything you need to know about raising capital using other people's IRAs. Now, Jason, my guest, is a subject matter expert in the self-directed IRA space. He is the president of Newview Trust, a self-directed custodian with over $1.4 billion of assets under custody. He is heavily recruited to speak on podcasts on tax advantage investing through retirement accounts. Now, this is one of those episodes that you'll want to watch a few times to let it all sink in. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. All right, welcome to the Franchise Empire Show. I have Jason DeBono here from Newview Trust. What's up, man? It's been a long time. Hey, Tark. Good, uh, good to see you. Long time. A little too long. Yeah, for sure. So, man, I'm excited about uh, our conversation today. We were just kind of, you know, I was joking around with you saying that, you know, you've been in this world for 15, 20 years now, so it may not seem as exciting to you, but I think people's minds are about to be blown uh, just because they don't really know about like the self-directed world. So just as a as a kind of segue question and statement, so most people know about ROBS when it comes to funding a business and how that works, utilizing their IRA, but they have no idea what or how a self-directed IRA even works, that it exists, yet alone how to kind of raise capital with it. So before we get to that part of the question, can you just explain what is a self-directed IRA um, and how are people using it to grow wealth overall? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it, you brought up kind of the tenure and and having been doing this, uh, you know, nearly 20 years, I still get the same level of excitement when I tell someone what a self-directed account is and, and see their eyes light up going, wow, I had no idea. And it's, it's just amazing, uh, you know, the opportunity for, for people to kind of use this as a tool. So when we say self-directed IRA, we're not really changing the IRA. We're saying an IRA is an IRA, right? You've, you've established a retirement account and you made a deal with the IRS that, you know, you, you will get tax benefits to, to have that account and you agree not to touch it till retirement age. That's kind of the, the deal. And there's slightly different tax decisions inside that, right? Roth, traditional, pay the tax today, pay it tomorrow. All of that has the same exact, um, you know, governance and rules whether you choose to self-direct it or not. So an IRA is still an IRA. When we say self-direction or what that means is that you have the ability to invest it into anything the IRS allows, which includes anything outside of the public stocks and equity markets. So most people think that if their accounts at Schwab or Fidelity or Merrill, you know, that it's got to be invested into, you know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Um, and really your IRA can hold anything but life insurance and collectibles. 
So, you know, in reference back to kind of this franchise model, you know, if you're starting a business or you're looking to grow a business, capital's key. And one of the most underlooked tools or resources for capital is actually borrowing money or taking on equity positions from other people's retirement accounts. Uh, so to illustrate that, you know, my IRA could loan your franchise business X amount of money under X terms, all agreed upon by us. And the beauty is, is you now have capital, right, that you may not have had before. And all of that money goes right back into my IRA, just like a dividend would on a stock. So I'm just making a decision to, to loan 100 grand to a private business instead of putting 100 grand into Microsoft. But all the terms are agreed upon by us. All the money goes back in and out of the IRA. And the beauty is all the taxation benefits, right? No tax, et cetera, that we, that we agreed to on the IRA side with the IRS all remains intact. So I want to make sure that people really grasp like the the power of of what you're saying, and then we can dive into a little bit more of maybe the technicalities of how structurally how that even works. So most so most people think IRA you can use the Rob's plan. You're taking your own IRA, and that's going into a specific structure that you can then utilize that has all sorts of compliance to fund a business. What you're saying is that if someone either doesn't have the capital themselves or wants to borrow the capital from someone, so let's say I want to open up another franchise, I come to you, Jason, and you you say, okay, hey, Tarek, I got the IRA, I'll help you get funded. What does that look like? How does that then work from there? Yeah, I mean, you brought up Rob's and, you know, we, Noob, you are not in the Rob's business. That's a completely different structure, as you pointed out. Um, Rob's is great because Rob's is a tool for people to tap into their own retirement money, right? And use that to go start a business. Um, what we're really focused on and what we do as an organization and, and you know, kind of the, the purpose of our discussion today is that when you're raising money, because at some point you either have the capital yourself or you have to go find it, right? There's really no other magic formula. Now, where you go find it, I mean, you can go to a bank, you know, you can go ask your your rich uncle, uh, you know, if that's whom whom uh, you go tap into. And and that's the beauty of starting a business. Most, most people that start businesses are scrappy. You know, they're going to go get their money. They got the right idea. They got the, the right franchise. They love it. They know they can make it work. Now they got to go get the money. So, where, where NewView is a great tool and where self-directed IRA should be considered is for those people that are going to go try to find the money. And when you're going to look for money, you know, you're, you, you tend to kind of think about your traditional sources, right? Banks and all of those. And, and maybe those are viable, maybe they're not. But a lot of people underestimate or underlook the power of getting investors into their deal. And you can take on investors really two different ways. I mean, you can take them as equity, right? Where they can have some sort of, of passive, likely passive uh, equity share, or they can come in as debt. They can be a lender to you. Uh, and so in either case, someone else's IRA can work. So, you know, Tarek, you, you approach me and say, hey, Jason, I've got this investment, right? I need a hundred grand to get it over the finish line. And here's what I love about this. If you approach me with that, I'd say 80% of what I'm making my decision on is not the business. It's you. Because when you invest in a small business, you invest in the people, right? I know that Tark will be successful whatever business he starts because I, I worked alongside you for a long time. I know that. So for me, I'm investing in you. 
yeah, I want to know what the business model is. And I like to know that it's got a profit engine and that you can, you know, it makes sense. But that allows me to take my retirement money and not just go put it into, you know, shares of Microsoft or shares of Apple or whatever it is that I buy. And I get to invest in my own community, right? In people that I know and trust. Um, but the beauty is you and I come to those terms. So if I'm going to be debt, we agree on the interest rate, right? 2%, 5%, 8%, 20%, right? That's agreed upon by us. And then same thing on the equity side, you know, whatever the price is per share, per unit, per percentage, those decisions are made between the two of us, my, my IRA and me on behalf of my IRA and you on the side of, of the recipient of those funds. So it's a really cool opportunity for people to, to really put their money to work in, in Main Street as opposed to Wall Street, but they get to do it the same way. They just have a far better understanding of the investment than they ever will of any public equity. So I get multiple emails a week from companies asking to run ads on the podcast. I could have ads if I wanted to, but I don't. So there are two ways that you can help to support me and the podcast to keep it ad free. First is to like the video, subscribe to the channel and leave a comment, even a smiley face. If you have nothing to say, the YouTube algorithm only shows the video to more people based on the likes and in comments on the video. So your comment could help someone get exposed to this and, and not to sound too cheesy, but it could legitimately change their life. Lastly, go ahead and share this with someone that you think will enjoy this episode. Maybe someone who you know loves business and entrepreneurial stuff, or maybe it's someone who's been saying that they want to own their own business for forever. You can message it to them directly or share it on your social media. It would mean the world to me. You guys rock. Enjoy. Yeah, very interesting. And, you know, one of the biggest challenges, uh, as you know, for small business owners is securing capital, getting funding, et cetera. And we have a lot of people that reach out to us and they say, well, I want to own a franchise one day, but, you know, I don't have the net worth requirements yet, or I don't have the capital. And I, I you know, I believe in resourcefulness, right? It's not about the resources. It's about how resourceful are you? And that's like the uh, kind of the foundation of your business, right? Is is helping people get the resources, and so this is a this is a game changer in the sense that if you don't have the capital, right, um, you can basically go out there and shop for anyone with an IRA, right? And like, hey, you got an IRA, you got some money, you know, let's let's do a deal together, which is which is really really exciting. I mean, I remember being. 19 years old living in my parents' house thinking about the idea of, oh, that would be cool to own a franchise, but having a to whopping total of 1500 bucks to my name, right? And so, you know, maybe if I would have known about this sort of method, I could have gone out and, you know, solicited raising capital and kind of secured a partner with something that I never knew about and, and I don't think most people know about. So in terms of the debt, like, let's talk about the debt side first. So, okay, so if you're structuring it, so you're giving me this $100,000, not giving, you're loaning the $100,000 to me through your IRA. How, what does that look like structurally, right? So is that a is that a promissory note? Like what what is the technicalities of that look like? Yeah, and, and there's a lot of different ways to structure it. Um, you know, someone told me a long, long time ago and, and uh, someone that I look up to in the investment world, and he said, find the deal, you'll find the money. And, and I think, you know, 
the the reason I share that is is one, you know, to to your point, at 19, you may have had the deal and you may have let the dream of that deal disappear because you didn't have the money. And and the reality is if you've got the right deal, money will find its way to you. It, it won't be easy, but but always find that deal. The second thing is how you structure it. The beauty is, you know, you can be creative. So yes, I mean, to the the most common way that we would see that deal transpire would be in the form of a promissory note. So um, you need $100,000. I agree to loan it to you out of my, let's say, Roth IRA. That $100,000 has a promissory note attached to it. We'll call it 7% interest, payable over 10 years, interest only, whatever the terms are. And those, again, terms are decided between you and I as long as we do it at an arm's length, right? Meaning it's a, it's a fair, and, fair and balanced deal in the terms of the IRS. What they don't want is they don't want me lending it to you at 1% which is an unreasonable rate of return, right? They don't want us using tax-advantaged accounts for sweetheart deals. So when we say arms like, it means that you're negotiating it in good faith on both sides, right? You're not doing it because there's a benefit. I'm not going to loan you the money so that you give me free lunch at the franchise you know, every single day, right? They, they want the loan to be its own standalone deal. Um, so when we agree to those terms and we draw up that promissory note, that ultimately is the binding agreement between my IRA and you as borrower. And then you would follow the terms of that note. So if you're paying right your 7% interest only, you'd pay those right back to my IRA. And, and I don't want to take us off track, but I want to point out that let's just assume we do 7% on hundred grand, right? That's $7,000 of income to me every single year um, if we do it as an interest-only loan. That $7,000, if I loan it to you personally, is reported to the IRS, And Uncle Sam is going to take a piece of my 7% because it's income to me as an individual. If I do the same deal out of my Roth IRA and you pay the same $7,000 to my Roth IRA, it's 100% tax-free. I do not have to report it as income because it's not income to me. It's income to my IRA. And the deal that my IRA has with the government and the IRS is that they will not tax it annually right, on my passive investments. So not only am I using money that maybe, you know, I, I don't like what it's doing today, right? I'm sitting in the market. I'm not really happy about it. I can go put it into something I have more confidence in, but I can also do that and shield the taxes off of the same deal if I did it personally, right? So you get both benefits um, to use that IRA. And then from your standpoint, you know, you really don't care. I mean, you're writing your your promissory note payment every month, whether you mail it to me, Jason, or whether you mail it to Newview for the benefit of Jason, it doesn't change the terms for you, but it's significantly better for me. And then lastly, for you, you know, Tarek out trying to raise money, if you ask me for $100,000 today, I can tell you, I cannot write you a $100,000 check. I've got two kids, I've got a house, a mortgage, I've got bills to pay. I don't have a hundred grand sitting in cash, but if you asked me for the same hundred grand and told me I could tap into my retirement money and use that, I could go get a hundred thousand dollars that I've got sitting in equities and liquidate it to cash and make that loan. So IRAs are such a powerful tool because they benefit me, right? I get to invest in something I feel better about. I get to invest in something that has a, a better rate of return or at least perceived better rate of return. I get to keep all my tax benefits. But it's also better because it's money that I likely may not have been able to tap into or thought was available for you. And if you don't ask me or don't in- invite me to use my IRA, 
I may tell you no, you may be a hundred grand further away from getting to this deal, right? Just because you never enlightened me that, hey, by the way, Jason, before you say you don't have a hundred grand, have you considered using your IRA? Hey, I hope you're enjoying the podcast episode so far. One of the most consistent things that we hear from people that reach out to us is that buying a franchise feels really confusing. There are so many options out there. It's a scary decision. They don't know how to vet or do the due diligence, really narrow down on the right franchise for them. And then they really feel alone in the process. You might be the only one in your family who's ever pursued buying a franchise or being an entrepreneur. Or maybe you've tried to start a side hustle before or other businesses like me, like before franchising, I was not able to crack the code on entrepreneurship. I'd like to invite you to reach out and work with us. We've helped many clients buy franchises, get them profitable, or buy resale businesses that are thriving. I'm talking about highly profitable resales, great value. We've allowed many of our clients to actually quit their job right away and replace their income immediately. So if you wanna work with me and my team on finding or buying a franchise, doing due diligence, vetting it, or resale, then go ahead and go to tarjohnson.com slash consulting, and we're happy to see if we can help. All right, enjoy the rest of the episode. So interesting, because I came in with the perspective of really, hey, let's talk about how the person who wants to start the business can benefit. But that's right, huge benefit. I mean, for for people out there that are want to invest in alternative investments, put their money to work in a different manner or looking for opportunities, um, you can put your your capital to work in a different way through IRAs, which is fascinating, and get the tax benefits that, you know, depending upon the type of IRA that it is. So then on the on the other side, can you can you give us an example of how it could be structured through through equity, right? Of maybe the business as opposed to the debt side or maybe even a combination of both. Yeah, actually, I, I love love the combination of both because there there are some examples to get there too. Let, let's start with equity, right? So equity means you have ownership, um, typically, and and I say typically because these deals can always be struck. There's always a new way to structure a deal, right? Nearly 20 years doing this, just when I think I've seen every structure, I see a new one, um, which I love, right? That's just creativity, um, and and people can deploy that. So let's use Tarek your example. Same hundred grand. You need the hundred grand. But instead of debt, I may say, I will invest for 20% of the equity of the franchise. So you'll own the 80%, you'll earn 80% of all the profits, et cetera. You'll run it. I don't want to be part of the day-to-day. You do. I just want to collect my 20%. No different than if I bought shares of, of Microsoft, right? I don't run the business. Um, I certainly wouldn't own 20% of Microsoft, uh, not with a hundred grand, but you get the concept. In an equity deal, uh, a lot of times we see it in the holding company. So, right, you would set up a holding company, ABC, right, franchise holding co, you have 80%, I have 20%, and then that holding company would buy the franchise, right? That's a common structure that we would see. You could do it directly as well, right, through, through the, to the franchise. Either way, it doesn't change anything on our end, right? So it doesn't matter to us, it doesn't matter to your IRA. But as an investor in equity, um, the the one thing that you have to be mindful of is that depending on on the entity in, that that you're investing into, if the business is a tax paying entity, meaning the the business is a C corp or an S corp and it's paying taxes, then all my profits are 100% tax free to my IRA. 
if the business is an LLC in, in which it's not a taxable entity, it's a pass-through, then my IRA will have to pay some of that tax because the tax didn't get paid by the company. So it's not a double taxation. And I only say that because from a structure standpoint, it doesn't matter. But if you do set it up as an S-corp or C-corp, typically you avoid the tax. Now, just be mindful, and I'm getting super technical, and I don't mean to, but I want to make sure I don't misrepresent. The holding company cannot be the S-corp because an IRA cannot own shares of an S-corp. That's an S-corp rule. But the holding company could be a, a let's say a C corp and then it could invest into an S corp right so there are some ways that that you could do that but just a couple little small nuances and I don't think anyone listening to to the podcast today is going to go make decisions but I just wanted to clarify and, and not send anyone in in any direction that may um so yeah S corps uh the beauty of of investing into um, the in, into something like a, a C corp or a corporation is that all the tax is paid at the entity level, right? It shields my IRA from having to deal with the business tax. Lastly, if you want to kind of meet in the middle, um, we've seen deals that are convertible notes. So, you know, you're buying your, my IRA is going to give you the same hundred grand. And instead of having any ownership interest, it's debt, but it's a convertible note. And, and so it's an interest only loan right? Typically. So same scenario, we'll call it 7% uh, for 10 years. But what a convertible note does is somewhere along that way, there's a declaration that I can convert that into ownership. And there's a, a ton of reasons why businesses take that on. One, it, it from a capital stack standpoint, they don't have to give away equity. And typically they do it if the equity grows and they can give away a smaller piece of equity. So it allows me as the investor to say, yeah, I'll take my 7%, but I want a little bit of upside, i.e. the convertible note, so I can convert it to shares if the business is successful. And then you're on the other side saying, hey, I'm not giving up too much ownership too early, right? If we hit these bogeys at the end of year five, right, our growth targets, then we can convert it. And, and instead of you getting 20% for 100 today, maybe you'll get 5% tomorrow, but it'll be of a higher valuation. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I hope people's minds are being blown right now because it's it's so to me it's so exciting. Like all the possibilities that that are out there, um, and even me having worked for Newview, I forget. Like until we are now having this conversation, I forget all of the possibilities. It it's kind of totally uh, eluded me over the, over the past few years, which is interesting. So. Let's pivot the conversation to more of the institutional side, which I think is equally as fascinating. And we have some franchisors that also watch the podcast. So can you just give like a brief description of how private equity companies or people that are raising capital on a bigger scale, not from a retail investor perspective, how are they leveraging self-directed IRAs uh, to raise capital? Yeah, so you know, you you kind of mentioned retail and institutional, and and we kind of break it down in in um, in those two manners. So when we say retail investor, you know, this would be our example, right? Jason's going to use his IRA to loan to Tarek, kind of a one-off deal. Um, you know, we connected ourselves. That would fall under retail, more one-off deals. On the institutional side, there's a whole world of self-directed IRAs that lives out uh, in the alternative asset space that really looks a lot closer to public equities. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity for individuals and for enterprise, right, businesses to use uh, and raise money through retirement accounts. 
Um, so an example is maybe a franchisor uh, wants to raise, uh, let's say, $5 million because they want to rebrand or they want to make a strong push to sell more uh, franchises or whatever it is. It could just be for marketing purposes. And so in raising money, right, they have the opportunity to go out and look for money in a lot of different places. And much like our example of, you know, Tarek, the 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 guy that wants to start a franchise, he's kind of looking in in his circles for money. It'd be no different than ABC Franchise Co. has to go out and look. And there's traditional markets as well. They can go to banks and try to secure five, 10, 50, 100 million bucks. But sometimes those aren't as attractive. Sometimes the terms, not the, the monetary terms, but the terms of, a, of the engagement, the agreement, sometimes investing, taking a lot of money from one partner is, is great, but you get put in golden handcuffs, right? You know, they want more control. So what we've seen is a lot of businesses will go raise their own capital from the retail channel in an institutional method. So again, back to this this idea that you know franchisor uh, wants to raise five million bucks, right? And we'll just call it a rebranding effort. Um, in doing so, they could go get five million from one person. They could go get it, but instead they decide to go get it a hundred thousand dollars a piece from a series of investors. So when you do that, any of the investors can use their retirement money. So, you know, we tend to, the, the terminology that we use for that or we see as a syndication, right? They're syndicating something into uh, the hands of individual investors, um, whether they raise it 50,000 at a time, 500,000 at a time, those are all in, in um, decisions they get to make, you know, as they structure this. But what it allows that franchisor to do is to go out and and raise the money um, and it allows them to have complete control, right? There's no one individual investor that's going to say, do this, don't do this. And when when you invest 50 grand at a time, you recognize you're very passive, right? When you invest 500, a million, 5 million, you don't want to be passive. Um, so we've seen a lot of, there's a lot of deals, private equity deals, a lot of private equity real estate, there's a lot of private equity business deals, acquisitions, where they raise the money uh, from individual investors. And if those individual investors, usually they have to be accredited. But if you open it up to their IRAs, you just you know quadruple the amount of money that's available in the marketplace. So we, we're here as a resource really just to help them uh, not raise the money because that's not our role. But we're here just, just like we are on the retail side. We're here to help them when an investor has or wants to use an IRA to feel comfortable with the process and understand what it really means to use a retirement account to invest outside of, of you know, kind of your traditional public equity markets. So fascinating. And so just to kind of clarify on that point of like, yeah, NewView is the trust company and the custodian, right? So really as someone, as someone may use a Schwab or whatever it is to kind of facilitate the transaction that you're making. So they're not giving you the advice on it, but they're helping you to facilitate the transaction. And so this, you know, this was something that really fascinated me uh, at my time at NewView was looking at all of the private equity companies leveraging uh, this as a way to raise capital. And like, oh, interesting. Like you're saying, well, if you're going out there trying to raise capital, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith may not have the money available just sitting in cash or in a bank account or whatever it is, but they may have an IRA that um, they want to do something else with and be able to leverage that, which is which is really interesting. Another thing that's interesting to me 
is that you have some of these private equity companies. I remember a conversation that I had with someone when I was there where the guy had a private equity company and what they did was they were huge multi-unit franchisees. So I remember one in particular where I think he said they were the largest franchisee in one brand um, and then owned like a huge market uh, for, you know, for another brand. And so the way that they did that was by raising capital to then become a huge franchisee. That's fascinating. Yeah. And so, if, you know, if you kind of think about that, right, let, let's take Tariq, the 19 year old, right? You, you decided that you, you know, you found the deal and you said, you know what, I'm going to go find the money. And so you bought a franchise and it doesn't matter what it is, right? We'll just call it franchise A. As you scale, right, your second, your third, your fourth, at some point, you may say, you know what, I don't want to buy these one at a time after I, you know, reach profitability. I want to own the, the whole Southeast. And in order to do that, I need 20 million bucks. The beauty is, again, find the deal, you'll find the money. So if the model's right, if you believe that owning all the, the, the franchise, uh, you know, locations or opportunities at, let's just say, the Southeast, and you need to get to 20 bucks then, or 20 million bucks, the question is, how do you get there? And this is exactly where raising money comes in through IRAs because you could set up a, a, an entity, right? That entity could be the, the holding company or the, the master franchisor of the Southeast, right? Or franchisee of the, the Southeast. You negotiate the pricing, 20 million bucks. And now you got to turn around and say, where's that 20 million come from? You can turn to people just like me and say, hey, Jason, I'm offering you an opportunity to put $100,000 into this um, investment vehicle, and you will have a stake in the entire Southeast of this franchise. And our goal and our thesis is to, you know, master um, play in all of this, find the locations, develop whatever the terminology is, and here's how we're going to make money. And as we make money, you make money. And if you think about it, this is where it starts to look just like a public equity. Because if what am I buying when I buy Microsoft? I'm buying Microsoft's vision and ability to earn money, right? And the more successful they are, right, the more likely the share price is to go up, which is more likely to put money in my pocket. This is the exact same thing. The more likely, the more successful that this franchisee, right, master franchisee is, the more successful the individual um, you know, locations are, the more money that this entity generates, the more it generates, um, the more I make. And so I have the ability to make dividends, right? Money off of the annual income of these these franchisees. And then there's an exit, right? I mean, hopefully, you know, you've built all these up and maybe now you you sell it to someone else that wants to be on the investment side. So now your $20 million fund, right, is worth $40 million. And as a result, I've just doubled my investment. So that that is where I think the greatest scaling opportunity is for anyone listening today that wants to go out. You know, getting to your first franchise is is critical, right? Gaining the money, talking to friends and family, raising the money, right? IRAs, non-IRAs, but getting into that is huge. You know, having someone like Tarek that can help you, you know, truly get to profitability, right? That's huge. But after that, next step is let's scale. And so how do you go from not just one to two, how do you go from one to 10, right? Or how do you go from two to 10? And, and that's where you start really getting into this kind of more, it's not so advanced, but it certainly feels advanced strategy of setting up a fund and using the fund 
uh, ultimately to to fund these next you know the next set of scale. And so what what I'm hearing you say is that essentially, like money could could never should never really be an excuse for someone. As you're saying, hey, if you find the deal, you can find the money. And regardless of what your situation is, whether you're trying to fund your first venture or whether you're trying to go from one to two locations, two to three, three to five, five to ten, whatever it is, you know, or if you're looking to actually raise capital through a fund, maybe even start a private equity company, whatever it is that you're trying to do, no matter what scale or magnitude, you can leverage the power of IRAs or other people's IRAs and money through the uh, the uh, tool or vehicle of self-direction in order to then raise that capital, which is yeah. fascinating. Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, that that's exactly it. And I keep coming back to, you know, find the deal. You make a deal pencil out, right? And pencil out doesn't mean that it's a couple line items and, you know, it's pie in the sky. We're going to make a million bucks because we, you know, we put a sign up and, and it lights up and people will just walk in. But when I say find the deal, truly, you know, pencil out the deal of how you're going to grow it, scale it, make it profitable. Um, you find the right deal that's profitable, people will be lined up to invest. It won't be easy, but people are always looking for deals. I mean, I, I'd be willing to bet, Tark, you know, you struggle at times when you're like, all right, I've got a little cash. Where do I go put it? You know, and it's no different. I'm on the investment side. I've been doing this nearly 20 years. People think that I've got, you know, access and I do. I mean, I know people that do deals every day. I see them all as custodian and I struggle sometimes, you know, like, all right, where do I put this next? And so people are always looking for good deals. And so when the right deal is, you know, approaches the the right person, it's a match made in heaven. Hmm. Yeah, it's so so true. What's interesting is a funny little anecdote is uh so one of my favorite burger spots is Five Guys. Um and I pick for for those of you on the West Coast and stuff, Five Guys over in and out any day. What's what's your do you have a favorite, Jason? Oh man, I'm sorry. I'm I'm a Floridian, born and raised. Um, but I'm I'm choosing in and out over five guys <laughs> every day of the week. In fact, <laughs> In and out is on a short list of uh, th- those that know me while I travel a lot, and those that know me well know um, when I travel, it's all about food. I mean, people come up to me all the time and will say, "Hey, I'm going to Chicago tomorrow, you know, for a week or for two days. Where should I eat?" And it's like this, this, this. But In and Out is one of the few franchise. Uh, I, I don't even know if they're franchise, but one of the few chain level um, restaurants that's on my short list of places to eat. That's hilarious. Double, double animal style all day long. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So what's interesting, here's what's interesting about five guys is, you know, some people may not know that they are a franchise. Actually, uh, Shaq used to own uh, a lot of them. I forget the number. I should know that off the top of my head. But a lot of them, I think Phil Mickelson too, which, which is interesting. Um, but one of the things that they have on their website, if you go to the, hey, I want, you know, I want to buy a franchise is that they have the language of you need to have access to $5 million of capital. Not you need to have $5 million, but you need to have access to $5 million in capital. And so I think it's such an interesting anecdote to point out and link to this conversation, which is 
someone may read that and feel discouraged and like, oh, I don't have five million bucks. And then just that's it. And then go sit in a corner and cry. Or you can get industrious and go, okay, how do I get access to $5 million? You structure a deal, hit up new view, raise money. And then next thing you know it, you own some five guys. Well, if you go look and and you look at, you know, take whatever index, right? The billionaire index or, you know, the millionaires in your state, it really doesn't matter. Um, I I don't know. I'm pulling this number out of the air, but I'd be willing to bet that greater than 80% of those people that have amassed the level of wealth that we ooh and ah over, 80% or more didn't have it to start. They all had to go find money. And if you were to ask them all their greatest success um, yes, creating the right product, whether it's disruptive, whether it's technology, whether it's product service, you know, that's critical. But none of them would have made it where they are without figuring out how to go solve the money piece. And if they can all do it, so can any one of us, right? It isn't an elusive goal or target. So it's the combination of both, right? The right idea without money goes nowhere. The wrong idea with money goes nowhere. But the right idea with money can go somewhere. And if you can solve both of those, and what I love about franchises is they they help solve the first part for you. You know, it almost every franchise does make sense. You know, whether it's right for you and whether it's the right in the market, that's a decision to make. But there's a reason why they're franchising. They've already proven the model out. And that's why you're doing it. You know, you're not looking to disrupt the market. You're looking to just enhance, you know, the market with a product that everybody knows and needs. But it's that secondary piece is it's the money. And if you follow the money, you'll find the deals. And I think if you have the deals, finding the money is just a byproduct of it. Uh, not easy, not without work and effort, but but no success comes without work and effort. Well said. Well said, man. Awesome. Jason, thank you so much for uh, for coming on, man. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the conversation. We will leave you know the links in the in the description of the podcast channels and um, in the description for those of you who want to reach out to New View Trust, open an account, set it up so that you can uh, benefit from this. Any uh, any parting words, Jason, on your end? You know, honestly, it's go do it. Um, you know, take a leap of faith and and go do the deal. Um, whether it's an investment, you're you're on the investment side. Whether you're on the you know trying to buy a franchise, but um, there, there is nothing more exciting than seeing people take a leap of faith, push the the boat away from the dock, take some risk. Um, no good success story uh, has ever you know, come to fruition without a little bit of challenge and risk and trial and tribulation. So I uh, love what you're doing, Tarek. So proud of you, man. It's, it's, uh, it's really exciting to see um, not only you know, how you built your own business, but you're doing it by helping other people build their business. And uh, yeah, couldn't be more excited to, uh, to be on with you and, and see all the work you're doing. So keep it up, man. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Hey, before we go, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I put my heart and soul into providing you value through this podcast so that you can live your dream life. So please subscribe if you haven't already. And the biggest thank you you could ever give me is to drop a review because more reviews equal this podcast getting more listens, which means we can share this message with more people and hopefully positively inspire them like we have you. You can also share it with someone you care about that you believe may benefit from listening. Thank you and talk to you soon.